people, and welcome back to the Completely Fucking Clueless podcast. Audrey is laughing at me. I'm not even laughing at you. (laughs) Y'all, we are a little delirious and tired today, but for anybody who doesn't know, my name is Sarah. And mine is Audrey. Welcome back to the pod. Yeah, thanks for coming. Sorry, I'm on my period. (laughs) (laughs) That is the explanation. I'm on my period. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's a good one. I forget every month how much it sucks. It really does. Are you on birth control? No, I was on birth control for a while, but one of the side effects of birth control is depression and like I actually stopped taking birth control like uh after the first summer of the pandemic. I just sort of like I wasn't dating anyone and certainly wasn't hooking up with anyone cuz you know, pandemic. And so I just sort of stopped taking it and that was around the time that like I was doing different medication and treatment for my depression and so like I don't really want to go back on it Mm. because like I don't know if that was part of what was causing my depression so I just don't want to risk it I keep meaning to get an IUD and I keep just (laughs) not (laughs) I'm not on birth control either so like when my period comes it's like she's there it's it's Niagara Falls it's there and it is present I would say Someone pointed this out on TikTok and I have no recollection of who, but they were talking about how like in all period, like tampon ads, it's like, don't let it hold you back. Like whatever, like you can still do everything on your period. And it's like, no, I don't want to do that. That I want to false. I am bleeding, just continually bleeding. I don't want to do jack shit. I want to lie on my couch and put a heating pad over, you know, my insides that are tearing themselves apart. And I shouldn't be expected to have to do everything that I normally do because I'm bleeding. Well, the thing is, is when I was on birth control, it was a lot easier to do things because I didn't feel like a lot. I don't get a lot of bad symptoms, but all that like pressure and just like bloating and cramping wasn't there. But now it's there, especially the first two days. But my period's short. It's only four days. So mine's all over the place. Girl, she's a mess. She needs to get her shit together. Messy, messy, messy. Speaking of messy, was your week messy? How was your week? <laughs> Tell us about it. I, I feel like I can't remember. There were some real great points. We, I, I think my period is partially tied into this, but we've had some like fun anxiety and depression, like swings up and downs. So we've had some really fun moments. I like got dinner um, with two friends last night at the restaurant where one of them works and it was such a fun night and I had such a blast and I've like had some great things. We hit 10K on TikTok, which was really <gasps> exciting. Thank you for everybody that's following. And if you're not following, what are you doing? <laughs> Follow us at completely F-C-K-I-N-G Clueless on TikTok and at completely fucking Clueless on Instagram because they don't want to censor us there. Per. <laughs> but uh, honestly, right now, all I can think is I'm just tired. <laughs> I don't even know from what. Just It's gray out. I want to be, I mean, I'm essentially in pajamas and I am on my couch. I know this week we're both very chill in our outfits. I texted Audrey and I was like, I'm not wearing makeup because my face is breaking out. So I have pimple patches all over my face. And I I went amazing. I didn't want to fucking do makeup, but I was going to. Me either. I I didn't want to do it today because of my breakouts. I'm also going. I'm also going away tomorrow on a little not really. I was going to call it a spring break trip. That is not it. I'm going to Napa, which is honestly iconic. I'm very excited to go wine tasting, but I have to wake up at 4 a.m. in the morning tomorrow and I'm running on like zero sleep right now because last night was my mom's birthday and my dad and I went out to dinner with her. And let me tell you, my parents can hang. I was like, uh, when it reached 10 o'clock, I was like, 
it's past my bedtime. <laughs> we really need to get our parents together because I feel like we both have such party parents. Yeah, my dad is just such a conversationalist. He literally, like there was a couple sitting next to us. I didn't know if they were on a date or not. According to the girl who I hope if she's listening to this, hello, because <laughs> I told her my dad was like, my daughter has a podcast. She literally told my parents and I, she was like, yeah, I just don't feel it. And my parents were like, don't go on friend dates. My parents were like giving life advice. They asked my parents the secret to marriage. I was like, whoa, but they were also 32 and 42. And I was like 24 and, and everyone's older. And I was like, I don't need to know secrets to marriage. I need right your now. parents to give me all the advice on just everything. Yeah, they got. Hi, mom and dad, if you're listening, got to come on the pod. This happened while we were getting April spits together where my dad called me and yes. he was like, I don't think he's listened to any of the like first four episodes, but he had listened to the most recent episode and he was like, you should get uh, what's their name? <laughs> Sephora? Seph. Sephora, many mispronunciations of the <laughs> brand Sephora, and was like, you should get them to sponsor you for all the good like words you're giving them. And I was like, yep, yeah, totally. We're just gonna get Sephora to sponsor us. So. Sephora wants us to sponsor them. Totally. Uh, so Sephora really needs they they they're not well known, so they really need the outreach they of our us. podcast. <laughs> um, but I was very confused because we had already told them, hey, you probably don't want to listen to this unless you want to hear me talking about how I want to fuck Rihanna um <laughs> something I don't think he wants you know what actually the woman who we were speaking to last night she said that she asked me that question she was like do you like think about that your parents are going to listen to this and I was like I can't think about that that's being inauthentic because I would censor myself I try my darndest occasionally I do like throw in like like last week we were talking about Sephora and I was like hey mom don't don't judge my <laughs> I maybe spend too much money on makeup, okay? Uh, Who doesn't, though? Who doesn't? A lot of people. Really? Yeah. I feel like so many people just like, uh, okay, maybe that's my TikTok. <laughs> Honestly, it's my TikTok algorithm. TikTok, she gets you. TikTok, TikTok. All right. <laughs> so how was your week, Sarah? Well, you know what? Okay, I was saying this to you before we started recording. I feel like we recorded like two years ago. I don't know why our last recording seems so far away, even though like it a thousand percent wasn't. But we were also supposed to record on yes, Tuesday. On Tuesday. And <laughs> We've then, been a little bit of a mess. Yes. New York. Unfortunately, there was a terrible incident that happened in the subways in New York. Our hearts are going out to all that. And they've caught him. Yes. Thank mm-hmm. goodness. So yes, all those Which, people are in our thoughts. It's crazy to me that like the cameras and everything were not working the reason they were able to catch him is he left a credit card and the keys to a van he had rented at the scene of the crime that's why they were able to get he literally left a credit Credit card card. with his name like but it also the horrible flip side of that is i'm like oh if he hadn't left that shit they probably wouldn't have found him by then because the cameras weren't fucking working i know what a terrible incident but we decided to postpone our recording because it just seemed there's a lot of reasons it just yeah wasn't it's emotional you know what it's emotional and it's you know but we're recording today instead so my week 
I got a gastric emptying exam, <laughs> which basically you go into the Mount Sinai Hospital, which it took me literally 45 minutes to turn a city corner and go like 500 feet into a parking garage. I have never felt so road ragey in my entire life. I literally like flipped off this guy because he cut in front of me and I was like, you don't freaking understand. I've been sitting here for 20 minutes. I was very unhappy and it was awkward because when we parked in the parking lot, he like got out and we were like standing next to each other and I was like, I know. But I did this gastric emptying exam. I ate the most disgusting meal I've ever had in my life. Basically, you have to eat this meal that has like radioactivity in it so that when you go into the little machine that takes the pictures, it like lights up in your stomach on the like photos. What was the meal? It was egg whites that were just like, it tasted like, it tasted like cardboard and then a piece of toast with jelly. The toast with jelly was good, but you had to eat the eggs because the eggs is what had like the radioactivity in it. It was... Aren't we not supposed to interact with things at their doctors i trust maybe they know it's what they're not doing. radioactivity maybe i'm wrong maybe i'm very very wrong but basically like for i had to sit in this hospital like room for four hours in like Every 30 minutes to an hour, I was like going in and they would take pictures of my stomach. But I found out that I don't have gastroparesis. So I don't know what's wrong with me still. That's that's (laughs) that's good. Pro and con. I know. Wait, two small updates from this week because I've I've thought about these things. So a couple of episodes back, I don't remember which one. I said that I thought the Dior lip oil was um, overrated. Overrated. That's the word. I'm taking it back. (laughs) A retraction. It's a retraction. I hadn't used it enough, but now I understand the hype. It really does work very well. Like I have, I get chapped lips a lot and it, I feel like it's one of the only products I own that actually takes away the chopness. So Dior sponsor us. Like (laughs) Audrey's dad said. (laughs) Oh, and I think I'm changing my mind about video podcasts. Really? Yes. Okay. So I watch, I've been watching the morning toast a lot, Mm -hmm. um, which I like because it's almost like watching like a morning show that's like tailored to pop culture. So I, I've been really into that. I've been watching call her daddy a lot on Spotify. I'm trying to think if there's another podcast. I think there is, but I just can't think of it. I'm actually kind of enjoying it. Good. Yeah. I also have an update. Used my makeup wipes the other night to remove my makeup when I was in bed and I didn't want to. They are sitting in the drawer of my bedside table now, baby. Per. So when I don't want to get out of bed, I still fucking remove my makeup. Yeah. So, growth. We are growing people. We are making huge strides in this world. Okay? <laughs> Watch out, world. We are using makeup wipes. Well, you know what? I've started taking off my makeup with that Dermalogica stuff. And I was like, I've done it twice now. I haven't slept with my makeup twice in a row. These are huge accomplishments, everyone. I was a little drunk last night. Took off my makeup. Not with Me makeup too. Wipe. Like legit took off my makeup. Me too. I did not double cleanse, <laughs> but, we're, but we're getting there. Hey, baby steps. Baby steps. Baby steps. I'll baby take steps. it. I have light pink and white sheets. I'll take just not having mascara fucking everywhere on them. Oh, we love this for us. We love this. And literally <laughs> me, why I'm like, why do I have pimples everywhere? Um, girl girl you know what it's really hard to do things that are like good for you sometimes yeah yeah. it's like hard actually a lot of the time yeah 
And here's the thing, you do them and then it's like, oh no, that makes me feel good. And still next time it comes around, it's like, oh, I don't want to do that thing. And no matter, I never seem to learn like, no, me either. I've gotten, I've definitely gotten better at it when I was in like my depressive episode for a year and a half. Like I just like <laughs> sincerely. I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry. I don't know why that's so funny. No, it is funny because when I was in my depressive episode for the year and a half, I was, you know, I went to an outpatient program for like eight weeks. I left school and I'm learning all these skills, but it's so fucking hard to use them. Like when you are not doing well, it is so hard to cope. But oh, oh. Okay, so I'm on spring break this week, everybody. Um, so I'm not nannying the kids this week. I'm a free woman. Um, but Friday, I not Friday, Monday, I woke up and I was like very anxious. And I actually had this beautiful day of like coping and self-care. And it was just magical. I made a TikTok about it and a reel that I posted on like my own account. And honestly, like making that video was like, it was so nice. I love that. I took a really freezing cold shower. That's been like my new thing when I'm feeling anxious. I just actually love cold showers in general. Like even in winter, I take cool showers. In summer, I take straight up cold ones. It's really good for you to mm-hmm. take like freezing cold showers. It's good for like being awake and like all that kind of stuff. I worked out. I like did self-care. I've been watching the ultimatum. So you know what? Again, growth we had a rough day today we weren't as productive about taking care of it mostly lied on the couch and played a stupid little color matching game on my phone and then i went ah fuck because we're having a guest over tonight and it's gonna be our first in-person guest and i was like i'm "Mm, nervous i'm very excited but i was like she can't see my apartment like this uh so i got my ass up finally and started cleaning and then i did take a shower Sarah had suggested to take a shower and I knew that a shower would help, but I still didn't want to do it. And then I looked in the mirror and I went, oh, no, that's mm-hmm. that's not going to work. And I feel better. There not we go. good, but. But better. And that's all we need is like maybe that 1% more. Like I fed myself. I watered myself. Per. I showered myself. You're well, doing I'm, the thing. I'm doing the bare minimum, which is all I can ask for some days. Yeah, no, we all have a different like, per, I think we all have a different percentage of like best that we can give every day. And some days you're going to give a higher percent. Some days are lower. And like, that is just life. T. That's the key to life, everybody. I just gave it to you. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> we know all we're so wise. So I much know. wisdom to give. At our 23 and 24 years of age. Yes. yes. I'm, <laughs> when you ask my friends and family, like, what adjective would you use to describe Audrey Olivia Jean Flowers? They say wise. Why? Definitely. <laughs> yeah. She's laughing because it's so bogusly <laughs> untrue. Uh, not a single person, I think, in my entire fucking life would say that, including me. <laughs> y'all i love i loved that rant i like saw the delirious in your eyes while you were giving that rant i just like saw it i'm like the most hunched over in my posture right now sorry mom i literally almost feel like drunk or high like in a weird way like you know when you're just so just like (sighs) it's being tired yeah Should we move into clueless moments of the week? I think we shall. Oh, also one quick thing before we move on to clueless moment. Remember how I don't want to get arrested by the IRS? Well, I've, I'm almost done with my taxes. There's some things that I'm really confused on and I tried calling my mom and she was busy and then she called me back and I was busy. So I need to call her so that, uh, 
because I think they're due like Monday. Yeah, it's um, very soon. Uh, this happened in my group chat too. One of my friends, hi Tori, if you're listening, texted in our group chat and was like, "Um, so I learned today that taxes aren't optional." <laughs> And everybody was like, everybody if was they were done. Optional. Who would do them? Exactly. <laughs> but like, it was so funny. But I also was like, I've never done taxes before either. I technically have qualified for taxes before, but my it was like in. How do you know if you qualify? If you make money, you have to do taxes. Uh-huh. Um, but my mom always did them before whenever <laughs> money. And so now doing them myself, like the first few things I was filling out, I was like, oh, I've got this. My W2. You're I, an was, accountant? I was like, I've got all the answers. I am a genius. And then I got to like the back half and I was like, mm, I don't know. And I kept just hitting continue and next I'm using TurboTax. But TurboTax can sponsor us. Yeah, you can so also. We, so we'll we, take your sponsorship too. I know. Um, so we don't get arrested. But I just kept hitting continue and next, being like, I hope that none of these apply to me, which I know is not how you're supposed to do your taxes. But look, dude, I'm not. I I'm not making that much money. I I don't think I'm high on the priority list of the IRS. Oh gosh. <laughs> well, I'm just like I'm thinking about it and I I think I I need to use my anxiety and avoid. I'm just going to avoid right now. All right. <laughs> Give me a clueless moment. I need to know. Okay, do you want me to start with light or not light? Let's start off with light. Okay. <laughs> a real moment I had this week is I think it was like in the mid 50s. And I really something about myself is I check the temperature, I think, or the weather like every day. And those numbers mean almost nothing to me. Um if it's between like high 30s to like 60s I don't really know what you're supposed to wear and I was so confused and so annoyed of like the previous days being so poorly dressed for the weather that I actually googled what clothing to wear when it's in the mid 50s what I I googled that that is so interesting (laughs) okay and I think it said like wear like a sweater or like a light jacket and I would say I followed its advice and I was appropriately dressed okay so wow google is such a smart invention truly um (laughs) but yeah no i I feel like i'm old enough that like (laughs) someone i'll ask someone what the temperature is out and they'll give me a number and i'll just go like that's completely unhelpful to me that means nothing and i don't know what to do with that information now i'm just gonna start googling it i guess until maybe i memorize it or maybe i'll just drop a little chart for myself like yeah (laughs) you can like start collecting data on like what like today i need to wear a sweater today i need to wear a jacket do you want to do your yeah since i'm like so not clueless this week no i (laughs) i definitely probably have a clueless moment but there's just nothing significant enough that i was like i'm gonna bring it to the pot but there's something else that's significant enough so lately You know, this feeling comes around every couple of months where I just feel not successful enough, like, or just not good enough in what I'm doing. But lately, that feeling hasn't really been around because we've been, you know, doing our podcast, we've been doing so much work for it. And so I've just felt so like alive and in like, I am doing this shit, I am doing this stuff. But yeah, for like the past, like, maybe a week or a couple of days, I... I have done that thing where I start looking around me, look at what everybody else is doing. And I'm like, I'm not doing enough. Like I'm not making enough money, blah, 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 blah. But I think I've brought myself back down to earth from, from that vacation in the craziness of outer space um, in my head. <laughs> um, I think I've brought myself back down to earth and reminded myself of like all the, the good things that I'm doing or trying to do. 
and remembering I, I you know what I just think is so cool about this podcast is that every time I bring it up to somebody no matter what age they're at it's like oh I can totally relate to being completely fucking clueless or being uncertain or being confused about life like older people are still like I don't know what the fuck I'm doing and that's like so reassuring so I think what I've tried to take away from this situation is when I'm feeling not good enough like I can remember that everybody else out there is also feeling the same way is also feeling uncertain and that I can just take a deep breath and it's it's gonna be okay and that that's the tea heck yeah yeah so that was my little moment that I wanted to share with everybody amazing amazing all right you want to get into your deeper one this isn't like super deep but this is something I was talking about with my therapist this week of like there's someone who I was actually supposed to get drinks with tonight postponed it to record this podcast. I know this because we've really we were like, where can we put in this recording? I was going to literally get off the plane and like do it in California. Yes. Um, We figured it out. Um, And there's someone who I enjoy being around, like talking to, like fun. Don't think we're people who would like date long term or would work well for that. And I've been talking to my therapist about it. Like I enjoy spending time with them. But like talking to my therapist, I was like. I don't see any sort of future with this person. And like in my head with dating, the two options are either like you are together forever or Mm -hmm. you break up and like you're heartbroken. So why would you willingly like get involved with someone who you don't see any sort of that down the road with because you're just setting yourself up for heartbreak? Mm. Um, And she was like, well, like there's also like such a thing as like casual dating. And I was like, I don't feel like I know what that is. Like, I feel like I've seen that in like movies and TV shows, but maybe I'm just like dumb and blind, which is very possible, but I don't feel like I know anyone who's really doing that. And I think like, I don't know, like a thing that we got deeper into with this was like, how loud are you to do things just like for fun without like a purpose? Like it feels weird to do things with truly no purpose. And so like, A, what is casual dating? How do you do it? Do you recommend it? Do I like it? Not sure. We're going to find out. Yeah. So what is casual dating? And how do you have fun without a purpose to the fun? That's so interesting because hearing you talk about this is making me realize that I've never, well, I know that I've never casually dated, but I've always dated with the intention of like, I am trying to find my match. I think that's how most people date is like, I am trying to find my person to spend the rest of my life with. But like when you can also just like enjoy time with someone, but that feels really weird to say because then like, how does it end? Just like, oh, this has been fun, but it's not going anywhere. So let's just arbitrarily end it now. I don't know. I haven't dated enough. Like, I I mean, I'll, I'm trying to get back into that. I will probably get on the dating apps very soon. Um, I'm a little nervy because I am just a little awkward clam. But <laughs> clam? I don't know. That's the first thing that came to my head. Okay, I'm tired. But yeah, I think I want the same thing. I talk about it with my therapist. I'm like, I just think I need to kind of experiment and experience because I'm a true Pisces and that I have like recycled through my exes like so much. And I don't want that for myself. Like I want to try and like, you know, at least give myself the opportunity to explore just kind of like what you're saying. But it's so weird to like go on dating apps or go on dates and be like, okay, I don't need to put the pressure on it that this needs to be my forever. Like, you know what I mean? That's the thing is like, I've, I've really only dated one person seriously, but I'd say like 
I can remember these dates because they're like are related to things. But literally, I think we started talking like September 1st. We had like our first date that Saturday. But leading up to it, we spoke on the phone for like hours every single night. And my birthday was is the 23rd of September. And I think a week before my birthday, he had already asked me to be his girlfriend. Oh, wow. That moved a lot faster than I remembered it. Yeah, me too. Huh. Because <laughs> um, he was already my boyfriend before collage also that's how i know oh wow collage was my birthday weekend and so like we literally we went from like we started talking then spoke for hours on the phone then went on like multiple dates in the course of like a week and a half and then he asked me to be his girlfriend and then we were like seriously dating immediately like i've never any person i feel like i've ever at all been involved with this either stayed like only in the like talking nothing ever really comes of it we never even go on a date or just like sort of immediately jumps right. into like, this is a relationship. Right. I agree with that statement. I mean, I've never really done the, I mean, yes, I, I've done like maybe one like kind of casual, casual situation, but I agree. Every partner I've had, it's like we start talking and very shortly after we are in a relationship and there isn't this like extended dating period, Yes, which I think is in, important. And I like, th- I've never dated someone that I was friends with first. Right. Or like honestly really even had any sort of relationship or real interactions with they were all people that I've met like once yeah. <laughs> essentially. I've never been on like a date with somebody that I did like uh, like if I was to go on a dating app and meet them somewhere like I've never been on that type of date where I like didn't know you before. I've been on two and I hated them both. I'm like scared to do that like nervous like I feel like I'm so I don't know why I keep saying I'm awkward like I love talking but it's awkward. I really hope that when I start going on dates, at least they could be people that maybe ask me questions back. I always hated that when I was trying to talk to somebody and it was only me asking the questions. I was like, so do you not like want to know anything about me? Like, how do you expect this conversation to continue if I ask you a question and you're like, yeah, or like, you know, hot girl summer, maybe we'll see if we can stop being wimps. To quote one Julia Perry, stop being a little bitch. Julia Perry, we will make you proud. We will. Okay. So <laughs> I, shut that down. Okay. So y'all, we have another guest for you this week, which makes me so excited. We have a lot of guests that are coming on and it makes me happy. I mean, I don't know if we're interviewing like correctly or in the best way, but you know what? We're doing it and that's all that matters. Per. So I'm going to introduce our guest. So our guest for today is Abby Rose Morris. She is an actor, singer, and voiceover artist from Vermont. Abby wrote and performed her own solo cabaret, which is called More Than Tracy Turnblad, and then she turned that into a podcast and a successful TikTok. Her solo show and podcast explore the representation of fat characters in theater and media. We are super excited to get the chance to talk to Abby today, and we won't just be talking about fat phobia and fat representation I bet you that will be in our conversation but Abby also reached out to us because she really wanted to talk about post-grad moving to New York all of the things that come with graduating and moving into the real world and being clueless and uncertain so without further ado here's Abby Rose Morris okay everyone we are here with Abby Rose Morris we're gonna talk about life today yeah. We're going to talk about being clueless. Amen. <laughs> I know. I'm very excited about this because I sincerely just so clueless these days. Oh, word. I mean, same. 
And like you guys said, I, I on your podcast before, I think everyone feels clueless about some things. Right. But I, I really do have a complex about being especially clueless. <laughs> <laughs> a superiority, inferiority complex combined. I both think I'm the best person in the world yeah. and the hottest thing in the world, but also the worst person in the world exactly. and the least competent person so in the world. So I, have, I think I have a love-hate relationship with being clueless because on mm-hmm. one hand, I think there's good parts about it yeah like that you can be surprised in a really genuine and authentic way and like also it takes some i've taken some pressure off of myself because i'm like this is uh you know life is a long game hopefully knock on wood um (laughs) oh gosh (laughs) i'm sorry (laughs) i'm uh i'm i'm in a morbid phase but you know know life short exactly pandemic it'll do it to you right (laughs) i also lost three grandparents in a year and a half so that was and a beloved cat but, oh gosh! Um, that would do anyway, it to you. that's all been since I graduated from college. Like so much change, I can't even begin to tell you. It's crazy, and yet I feel like the same person and an entirely new person. And I think about my college self constantly, all the time, twenty four seven. It's been the weirdest transition. Wait, so give us give us a little taste of your college self. Oh yeah, okay. So I'm um, interested now. <laughs> <laughs> totally. I mean, I'm not really different. I was even more of a mess, but it was okay to be a mess then, and I was proud to be right. a mess. You know, and so my college self, I, I went to college for musical theater just like you guys. I I will say it was the best four years of my life. Like I I grew up wanting nothing more than, than to be doing theater constantly. I love being a student. I love learning. I love acting class in particular. I loved everybody there. I loved being in a community, although it definitely also has its downsides and like gets insular and competitive and and like sometimes can be mentally unhealthy. But like overall it was a beautiful beautiful thing that i have missed ever since i went to school in philadelphia loved philadelphia felt like i had this independence i never had before so i was like living my best life but also probably like being a mess (laughs) uh, well you know i don't think a lot has changed i was very adamantly anti-relationship and i'm in a relationship (laughs) Um, so that's that's definitely the biggest thing where i'm like where i it doesn't feel like congruent congruent i don't know how to pronounce that but <laughs> a college degree in musical theater so exactly can't, literally can't me. expect me to know how to pronounce words <laughs> i don't need to be smart i just need to be pretty exactly i also was like degree. i mean theater degree and then it's a it's a very hard transition getting out if you don't have like a bridge of something mm. and i did sort of have a bridge of like i had something to do the summer after but right. then That's i moved I had. here and suddenly my whole life was about money and trying to get it and survive because I mean I think this is the case for a lot of folks but like after during college my parents paid my rent and they we had this deal that they would pay as much as the housing for the school cost for me to live and eat and it ended up being a bargain for them even though I lived alone and I was literally across the street from one of the college dorms it's a city campus and one of my best friends is an RA, RA in that dorm. So I could like just go over to her house. Like it was it was the best. Mm-hmm. And then suddenly I was the one worrying about making rent every month. And I did feel like I had no money in college because I had no spending money. But then it just like was on steroids after I graduated. And I made the stupid decision of moving to New York with $300 in my bank account. I'm very lucky that I had an aunt who paid for my first two months of a sublet. And I had my parents who paid for my security deposit for the next apartment. That was pretty much 
I mean, they do still pay for me to travel home because they know I won't if they don't. (laughs) Um, And uh, they sometimes pay like things that I can't like. And like the other day I had a really expensive prescription for for like what I'm used to. And so I was like, I'm so sorry. I like had to put this on your credit card. They were like, that's okay. But generally they, they couldn't like continue to pay for me for that many things. And that was huge. Like that was one of the biggest transitions. And it really, really impacted my life in a lot of ways, even though I already felt tight around money. Like it was already a struggle. So uh, like I can't talk about this without talking about that because there's so many elements. But that for me was a really big one. And I, I, um, I think we need to all have way more transparency around this, around exactly what like how how are we doing it? Because I would look at people and say, how are you doing it? Are you having help? Are you, what are you doing for money? Like, I I want to know because I I don't know if I'm, I'm doing it right, you know? I'm yeah. Clueless. So <laughs> <laughs> I feel like that's just a, a really important thing to talk about and be transparent about. It's so interesting because like hearing you say this reminds me, like somebody recently commented on one of our TikToks and we put a lot of like stuff out on our TikTok about like being clueless about life and not knowing how to do taxes or XYZ. Oh and this person literally was like, school's not supposed to teach you everything. Like, this is what your family is for. But like, at least sometimes I think of like my BFA degree like this. I got so much great stuff out of it. Yeah. But they do not help you transition into the real world yeah. whatsoever. Sure, in your senior seminar class, it was like, you're going to have to work a lot of jobs. Like, this is, this is, right. here is 45 minutes on how to do your taxes. But they don't, <laughs> yeah. like, they don't tell you, especially as an artist, like, how hard the transition is because at least for my non-artist friends a lot of them were going into internships or grad school like they had the next point to go to but I feel like for a lot of artists or or for people that may be like clueless don't know what their next point is there's a lot of like scrambling around there's no direction whatsoever and so I think it's really hard to like know what to do yeah totally totally it is really hard and it's it's such a specialized degree and environment and you just there's so much that I didn't have to worry about like my schedule was all scheduled out class ended at seven rehearsal started at seven Mm -hmm. you know and like I, I didn't have to juggle things and it was so nice I did have jobs outside of school for my final year of school which I spent all on alcohol um, as, as you one do does. in college. I mean, as you should. Like I, and you know, it wasn't just like just like on getting hammered every night. Like I was never an alcoholic or anything. Like I just wanted to go out with my friends and have a dinner and have some drinks and like have fun. And and I wasn't thinking about saving, and I so I just didn't. And then suddenly I had no money, and I was here. But anyway, I think that the specific like theater experience, it can be very twofold because like I'm sure there's people in your class and I chalk this up for a lot of the time, like this kind of experience of getting out of college and being like, what do I do Mm -hmm. as being my school's fault? Like I really blamed them and thought it was just my specific program that wasn't preparing us for a life. Or if they were, they were only preparing us for a life in Philly because they had so many connections in Philly. And Mm -hmm. so I like 
finished school so incredibly connected in Philly and immediately moved away (laughs) (laughs) as did a lot of my friends and peers and it was very easy for people who stayed in Philly to like have kind of a bridge because a lot of friends were still there a lot of resources were still there a lot of connections they'd made in college were there and some people made more New York connections than I did for sure so that helped and going to Williamstown was really great like that definitely helped me know more people who live here but it's it's not it doesn't seem to be a school specific problem because you went to a school that I think of as very like when I think of Elon at least at the time I was auditioning for colleges I didn't audition for it because it was too intimidating like (laughs) Elon you guys are laughing no I get it I would understand that answer because it like thinking about when I auditioned at Elon like it it is or any of these schools that are like Big. I guess like I think mm-hmm. where our school maybe quote unquote failed us in that transition may have really not been the f- it was the pandemic's kind oh, of fault. Yeah, that is, makes a lot of sense. Is that like we did this this casting series, which we fundraised so much money for. Oh, wow. Yeah, because basically yeah. at Elon, we bring the casting directors and agents to our school. We fly them down so we get a very like personalized one-on-one experience. That's really great. Yeah, it is. And but we didn't do we that We didn't get that. We didn't, yeah. <laughs> because We did Zoom. We did Zoom. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, that is so rough. I mean, we had our little showcase. My class was unusually large, so normally people can do multiple showcases, but that year they made people choose between New York, LA, or Philadelphia. And I, in the bulk of my musical theater class, chose New York, as is probably unsurprising. And um, it was honestly, I am so lucky that I graduated in 2019. I had the best end of college experience and I cannot imagine what a crazy thing it must have been. Are you guys 2020 or 2021? 2021. Oh, okay. That's the thing is like, I think we were talking about before we started recording, like reflecting back on college and like Mm -hmm. you even mentioned like it being like some of the best four years of your life. I really don't feel like I can remember it or reflect back on it easily because the last like year and a half of it was just such a complete clusterfuck and so just separate from everything else. Like just, I feel like... (laughs) We just entered an entirely different new world because we kind of did. did. Yeah, we did. And I can't, I don't even feel like I have the capacity to look back on my experience overall because it's just so disjointed. Mm. Like I was still a performance major and those were still my classes, but I didn't perform once the pandemic started. I'd never performed again in college. It's so rough. It's so rough. It is. Theater is very different now. It's yeah. It's it's very different. The auditioning is different. Can and we s- talk about how much musical theater self tapes suck. Literally, and renting a studio for all the dance self tapes. Oh, yeah. No, I'm not a dancer. <laughs> neither <laughs> am I. Nope. Neither am I. But for the ones I've had to do, yeah. it's like, oh, so now I have to pay money to maybe get considered to maybe get a job that won't really pay yeah. me any money anyway. I, I don't even have enough space in my living room to do yoga. So yeah, I tried one time. I kicked the bookshelf. So it's very tricky. It's very weird and I think the work from home thing is a larger conversation how it's put burdens on people and made things more difficult and like I share a two-bedroom with a roommate and my boyfriend and we're all of us are working from home at times and it yeah, is rough we, that yeah we can you talk about that a little oh bit oh my god <laughs> it's a nightmare so um basically it's a tiny two-bedroom I love it for the location mm. I think it would be a great place to live with one other person and we've talked about moving out the lease is up in August we've looked at places but I part of me loves it 
part of me despises it and wants <laughs> out immediately. But anyway, it's just very difficult because I have a work from home job where I do ticketing for an off-Broadway theater and it's it's hybrid. So it's it's in the off season, we're remote, but in the on season, we're at the theater some of the time. And then my boyfriend is an executive assistant. So he's always on super intense high profile confidential calls (laughs) (laughs) you can imagine how rough that is when one of us has to be in the living room and or i'm in the living room being like "Mm, hello would you like to buy tickets to the show and like (laughs) he's in the other room talking about like top secret music industry business and then my roommate's like i wanted to come in and make breakfast is this an okay time like it's it's rough that's hard it's like three people's schedules it is yeah it's very hard um and we used to have a roommate who worked outside the house and was gone a lot so it was a lot easier then and a lot different then but now we're like all home all the time um so we are looking at three bedrooms there you go there but the rents are so crazy right now that it just feels like insane to try to move and my apartments are unstabilized i don't you know oh it's hard that is i think it's a rough decision like post-college to think about where you're gonna move i mean obviously Mm -hmm. for artists a lot of people have their sights set on like New York or LA, Chicago, these bigger cities. Oh, I agonized over it. I probably still have my pro con list in my phone notes app. Wow. Yeah. So I was debating between LA, Chicago, and Philly at the time. If I was doing it now, I would be debating between LA, New York, and London. But mm. at the time, I was very, I really loved Philly and I still do. It's probably my favorite city ever, except maybe here and maybe London. And, <laughs> I, but it's like, it's up there. Like, I do possibly want to move back if I ever do the thing where I'm like I'm gonna settle down and have kids then I'm gonna do it in Philly I'm not gonna do it in in like Long Island or Westchester or like wherever people move or like (laughs) you know when Miranda Hobbs moves and buys a townhouse in Brooklyn and all her friends are like you left no I'm going to Philly (laughs) 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 But, but um anyway I made these pro con lists and I had heard really good things about Chicago it's kind of like a bigger version of Philly according to a lot of people who have experience there and so I literally didn't know really anybody there knew like two people and I just did a solo trip out there I found the cheapest flight it was in late January of my senior year and I flew out there alone I stayed with the uh the brother of a family friend who I had never met before they were (laughs) so nice to me they like set me up in their guest room they bought me deep dish pizza it was so so kind that sounds so yummy and I just like every single little resource I had I I was like, hey, you know this director that like directed a show that I was in one time. Hey, we went to college together for one year and I, I'm going to ask you questions about your life now. Hey, like we're internet friends. Let's meet up for coffee. Like <laughs> all of these things that I just, I just literally saw everyone in Chicago that I possibly could. And it was really cool. From that trip, I was like, you know what? This is, this is, I could do New York or I could do Philly. And Chicago feels like an in-between step that I don't need. And I didn't want to be off the mm. East Coast. Because my parents um, live in Vermont, and it has been really nice to live in Philly and then New York, be able to travel home, a quick drive home. You know, it's funny. Actually, this just popped into my brain. I was at dinner last night with my parents, and my mom mentioned that my grandmother told her, she was like, so, like, if you keep bringing Sarah, like, out to nice dinners, like, she's never going to move out. I'm like... (laughs) My, I'm like in my head I'm like of course I want to move out but like yeah I'm a nanny and I make $300 a week like there is no yeah. way that I can like do that right now and, and yeah. I feel lucky that I have my and my childhood home and that's only 30 minutes away 
You know, I think now I have enough hindsight. And I moved home during the pandemic, as many people did. I bailed on my Brooklyn apartment that had no living room, which I really didn't want to spend a pandemic in with two roommates who were more or less strangers. Um, (laughs) Yeah, I mean, they were they were nice, but they were strangers, you know, so I immediate pretty much immediately left the city. I was like, Mommy, pick me up. I'm scared. Basically. I uh, the day after Broadway shut down I was like I'm going home and so I did and when I got home I feel like I had that experience of living with your parents and it was great and it was terrible and I did not have a bedroom it's a Mm. long story but my house has like unfinished large landing that they could have made a bedroom but they just didn't so it only has two walls Um, so it has two walls a banister and then we have a bookshelf that blocks off the hallway so I was living in that and I ended up literally spending time in the closet like I built myself built i put a bunch of blankets and pillows down and made myself a little closet like hideaway oh literally like sleep in the closet and just go in there (laughs) when i needed privacy get that privacy is important like having your alone time yeah i know it's it's, it was rough i mean i am glad that i was able to move home because i got to see spend time with my cat before he died and my other cat who's still kicking but she's an old old lady (laughs) and my little sister and i like got this quality time with my family that i wouldn't have and i i really feel like i needed that and i needed a rest Mm. after i was so burned out after the summer i spent after college at the williamstown theater festival right on the heels of the busiest few months of my life of graduation and closing the show and like a whole bunch of things and like i was doing this murder mystery show that i had to learn in a week and it was like crazy and then i spent this whole month in this insane schedule at williamstown and then i was so tired like I was tired while I was at Williamstown. I was tired when I moved to New York. I was tired the whole time. And I didn't, I think that if I had moved there with energy and momentum more, I would have probably done more auditions. I would have probably, you know, just been a little bit more up and about. But as it was, I wanted to stay home all the time for the first six months that I lived here. And then I got to stay home all the time. And like, it was horrible and scary and psychologically awful. But I feel like my body just physically needed the rest. Mm. And I was able to save so much money getting pandemic unemployment that I still have. Like, I have savings now for the first time in my life because of that. And I'm, Mm. again, I moved to New York without savings. Dumb. If So I would totally advise people, if you graduate from a musical theater program and you don't have, like, immediately jobs and agents and stuff lined up, like, and you can live with your parents for a while, do it. Do it. Live with your parents and save and get a nest egg before you move somewhere because that was foolish. And I survived, but it was was hard. Like, I, I really wish that I had thought I had more. Yeah. Like, leading off of that, when you moved here pre the pandemic happening what was what was it like for you like moving here a totally new place Mm -hmm. going through like all of that yeah well I was pretty familiar with New York okay I have a lot of family and family friends here I've spent a whole summer here doing the circle in the square summer program oh my gosh I did that wait shut up you did circle in the square oh my god we have stuff to talk about we do my gap here I did it okay that's so (laughs) funny that's a whole other episode Oh my goodness. Wait, did you do the the summer program or Yes, the... I did the summer program, okay, the yeah. music theater program. Me too. Oh my gosh. Wait, we we definitely the... know yeah. some of the same people. Oh, okay. We got to talk. Yes. Um, and my roommates, by the way. So I had a voice teacher in Vermont who worked at Circle and Square for many years. So he sent me there, sent a bunch of people there that I knew. And so one of the girls that I knew who had gone to the two-year program, I took over her lease. And so oh. the people I was living with had done Circle in the Square too. Um, there you go. Yeah. But I didn't know them previously. But anyway, uh, moving here was, I mean, the jarring thing about it was this, I guess, just how hard it is to get 
places and how much time it takes. Because in Philly, I walked everywhere. And I was very lucky to live in a place that enabled me to walk everywhere. But a lot of parts of Philly will enable you to walk a lot of places. And so anything under 45 minutes, I would walk. And I still do. Just nothing's under a 45 minute walk. But (laughs) there's like three places I can walk. And on days where I'm like only walking to stuff, I'm like, yes. But yeah, that was my favorite thing about Philly. And it's the thing I miss most about it. But that was a hard adjustment was like, I have to get myself up, get myself out of the house, get myself onto the subway instead of just walking out my door and just walking. Right. I did I did have a lot of familiarity with New York, though, so I think that wasn't as jarring for me as it might be for somebody who hadn't spent a full summer there, who didn't have family there. We came here, like, twice a year since I was a kid. Um, it was my first trip when I was, like, two months old or something. My mom took Aww. me to the city to see family because, like, we have family here. And, um, uh, like, all of my, like, grandparents grew up here pretty much. And everybody in my family has spent their 20s here, more or less. So it felt like a normal rite of passage for me to be moving to New York as a, you know, 21, 22 year old or however old I was. I was 22. Um, I'm old for my grade. I am I'm too. also old for November my grade. birthday. September birthday. Oh, wow. OK, that's yeah, that's a whole thing. Different states. They do it so weird. They do it. So, our cutoff was September 1st. Ours was also September 1st. And New I England. was born late and I got evicted from the womb. Oh, rip. <laughs> I love that. That phrase. I always say I got evicted and then I... <laughs> I was a week late and I was due on Halloween. (gasps) That would have been iconic. I know. And I love Halloween. It it should have been. A real quote is uh, growing up. So (laughs) this is something I still say. And I said it as a child. And I still say it because I think it's so funny. Mm -hmm. Um, I used to tell people that my dad got neutered. No. Did he have a vasectomy? He had a vasectomy. (laughs) But I was. I love that you knew that as a child. (laughs) Oh, yeah. Yeah. My mom is like away. So my oldest sister actually had to like pick him up from it. Um, oh but my no, it, it happened when I was pretty young. That's um, cool. And I straight up just went around telling everyone, like, my dad got neutered. And people were like, please stop. <laughs> stop everything so you're doing right now. Yeah. <laughs> he did. He did. Kind of, kind I wasn't of. wrong. I'm pretty sure being neutered involves, like, castration. So maybe not quite. <laughs> I don't know for sure, Look, though. I'm not all I knew was that we neutered our dog. And we did a similar thing to Jeffrey. That's so funny. Oh, my God. My, sure. my mom was so open with me about all of those things. Like, I knew what a period was by the time it was three. <laughs> oh, yeah. But I remember I my first, like, period talk, like, birds and the bees talk. I can, like, remember it so vividly. I never I got a know. sex talk. I remember the first time I figured out what sex was, was with when I met my best friend, who's my best friend to this day. Aww. <laughs> Our first sleepover. She taught me what sex was. <laughs> I wish I inseparable. That is such a good story. Iconic. I wish I knew when the first time I'd like remember my mom talking to me because I like picked up this book from the Scholastic Book Fair. Oh, yes. I had a I had a mommy and daddy made a baby book when my sister was born, and my mom called sex planting the seed. <laughs> Only that day did I learn that planting the seed involved a penis and vagina and was called sex. <laughs> I like never asked about it, and I have no recollection of learning about it. I just like from my memory. I just always knew. And I don't know if that's because I started taking the bus really young. <laughs> oh, wait. The kids on the bus will make your life incredibly different. I So I live in this neighborhood or like this this road because we don't really have neighborhoods in uh, in the Vermont back roads. But like it's kind of a neighborhood. It's a road with houses on it. There you go. So I live on the road with houses on it. Right underneath the road with the houses on it are two like trailer parks. 
So my bu- my bus had all the kids from the trailer parks. They all knew each other. They were all really loud. They all really knew about sex and about swearing. And so I learned every swear word that I know from the bus. <laughs> I came home and I asked mom what the F word means because I heard it on the bus. I learned everything on the bus. And I actually, so I have a sister who's two years older than me. And I loved the bus so much that, <laughs> so I started taking the bus actually before I was old enough to take the bus. So the stop that it came to near my house after that, it had this little loop that it had to go through. And so Howie was the name of the bus driver. Um, And I've ran into him like as an adult. He also worked as a bartender at a restaurant. I had the most amazing bus driver, Mr. Hart. He was so encouraging of my theater dreams. He was the fucking nicest. Mr. Hart, if you're listening to this, I adore you. I adored him. (laughs) And he literally, he would stop pick everyone else up at our stop including me and then when he looped back around he would let me off I was in like I think the bus started for like kindergarten so I was in like (laughs) pre-k and it went all the way up to like I think middle school meaning I shouldn't have been on that bus oh my god Um, but I adored it and I was like I'm the coolest kid on the block independent when you're that young and I I've never lost my sense of wonder from riding through the bus on the bus I take the bus over the subway anytime I can did you ever fall asleep on the bus no but I have fallen asleep on the subway I've never fallen asleep on the subway but I fell asleep on the bus multiple times as a kid and they were way past my stop when I woke up (laughs) um and they had to go back um I'm really bad at falling asleep famously mad at it i cannot seem to fall asleep when i'm in like a comfortable bed at night Uh, but give me uh a bumpy road so i cannot fall asleep when i'm like time to go to sleep now lay down turn the lights off never can't turn the brain off but when i am in a movie theater and there's a movie that i like there's just a calm that settles over (laughs) and i fall asleep during so many movies and and i don't think that it's because i don't like them because there have been movies i've really liked where i've still fallen asleep because i was just tired yeah but i will say i think i have developed this response where i fall asleep the second i get bored at a movie Mm. and so when i went to see uncut gems this isn't i'm talking about uncut gems on a podcast (laughs) but when i went to see uncut gems (laughs) that was (laughs) awesome Um, I fell asleep in the first literally like 10 minutes and then I woke up with the final good job. Hey, my dad has always said with movies, you only need to see the first five minutes and the last five minutes. Wow. And he says that because he will fight us tooth and nail over what movie we pick to watch. And then Uh, literally uh we'll watch the first five minutes, fall asleep. And then we'll wake him up for the last five minutes. And we'll be like, I wasn't asleep. And we're like, you were snoring. Dads love to say I wasn't asleep. That's like, yeah, that's, like that's a dad thing. thing. Did anyone else's dad just like my uncle straight up fell asleep at my sister's wedding? Oh, my God. <laughs> like, oh not during God. the ceremony, but like <laughs> during like the dinner party, like we were bumping music, dancing. And he just at least out. it wasn't during the ceremony. I'm afraid I'm going to be that person because I, I thought I would be a person who stayed up late. But then I went to college and everybody stayed up till four and I fell asleep at two. That's like us now. I have a friend at home who can like go out all night and I have just I'm that is not me I'm like especially now that like I'm on a nannying schedule because I uh-huh. take the kids to school in the morning so I have to be up by like 6 45 I'm like ready to go to bed at 10 o'clock yeah I feel like no, I was, if you get up early you're gonna go to sleep earlier yeah. people don't tell you this no I feel like it's so funny because since like graduating college like sure there were certain boundaries I had in college but like they have just like 
gone to the next level being out of college you know Mm -hmm. see I feel like I was already trending on that path of becoming a grandparent and then the pandemic happened and you couldn't do shit Mm, or go anywhere or do anything anyway so might as well start going to bed at 10 p.m. oh my god so I didn't want to be that person in the relationship who goes to bed at 10 at you know who's like stays in and like doesn't want to go but I um was very surprised that suddenly I wanted to stay in a lot but also I was very burned out from like years of college and Williamstown so all of a sudden I wanted to stay in all the time and then suddenly people are like you guys are an old married couple I'm like it's a pandemic I'm tired (laughs) I know wait I actually have a question speaking of the pandemic what was there are there any like very big differences to you between living here for the couple months that you did before the pandemic versus now um I mean obviously there's things like mask but yeah personally my finances are in a lot better shape because I had a cushion when I moved here and I was able, I'm, I'm like able to pay for things now and I have enough work and I never had enough work before the pandemic. Mm. Now I have just enough work. There you go. <laughs> but before the pandemic, I was always struggling to get enough hours at my day jobs, my various day jobs. Um, I've had quite a string of day jobs. I've had every day job under the sun, I feel like already. It's been a time, but now <laughs> I have day jobs that are a lot less like energy expending so that's been really great like they're I mean they like I obviously I still expend energy like I'm still working but it doesn't make me like insanely exhausted by the end of the day right um we should talk about day jobs though because I have had some day jobs I know you have I remember in our initial conversation you were like I've done this do you want to say all your jobs yeah okay so this is my entire work history that you didn't ask for but you're getting it (laughs) so in high school I worked at a restaurant it was I worked there for four and a half years it was terrible I was really bad at it I later learned many years later that I have at least some tendencies of ADHD I think I'm diagnosed but it's kind of unclear because my therapist just said yes so (laughs) what a helpful answer I haven't gotten meds and I'm working on it I've been working on it for five years um (laughs) can you diagnose me now Anyway, um, very, very hard for me to remember not to put olives on a salad is all I'll say. Bad job. Bad time. Came home from college for the summer. I all, but By the way, I've always babysat a little. Mm-hmm. I have a six years younger little sister. So I was the built-in babysitter. I bought my own American Girl doll with my babysitting money when Aww. I was 10 years old. Oh my gosh, I love that. An entrepreneur. <laughs> my parents said, we will buy you one American Girl doll. And I said, what if I want another American Girl doll? And they said, you have to work for it. Her. <sighs> nah, yeah. I do not want to be an entrepreneur. I do not want to have to work for things. But people have told me that I have to. But I secretly would like just a check to come into my bank every month and never have to work. I would love that. <laughs> yeah, that would be the goals of life. Yes, indeed. So, And, you know, I feel like my, my life and my like doing a podcast and having a billion jobs makes it sound like I like to work. But I, I don't. I don't. I, I just... I just like to do my podcast and I, I like to act and I have to support the lifestyle to which I've grown custom, um, which is, you know... I have $30 in my bank account. Can I afford this Uber? (laughs) But anyway, wow, I completely lost my train of thought. I was talking about how I might have ADHD. (laughs) And after this, after this restaurant, I came home for a summer, worked at Plato's Closet, my only retail. It was really boring. They wouldn't let me learn how to use the register because I was only there for the summer. So all I did was (laughs) hang clothes. Oh, I just hung clothes all day. I got very strong shoulders. (laughs) 
And uh, it it was not, not my favorite. And, you know, I was working at the restaurant at the same time. One time I was scheduled for both on the same day. I still remember how I tried so hard to find a sub and I couldn't. And I had to tell my boss and she yelled at me <gasps> that I had to, like, leave early to get to my other shift. It was horrible. And then, <laughs> um, so that was, that was my, after my freshman year of college where I foolishly returned home thinking I would have as good a summer as I did after my senior year of high school. Mm. Boy, was I wrong. <laughs> Then in college, I was I worked front of house and my school's productions made seven twenty five an hour. Loved it. It was really fun. It was like you know it'd be like two hours a day. I also worked the auditions. Yes, which is so fun. That was my work study. And um, then I became a tour guide in college. I did ghost tours and historical <gasps> Philadelphia tours, which was still probably my favorite job I've ever yeah, had. That sounds like a really interesting job. It was really fun. And like getting to tell people ghost stories for a living, it was sick. And it was, it's people still love to hear like, oh my God, you were a ghost tour guide. That's cool. That I was so I fucking cool. wish yeah, that tour guiding spooked? paid a living wage and didn't <laughs> make me shout until my voice was hoarse Fair. because I quit tour guiding. Well, I quit when I left Philly, but I was planning to quit anyway because of a day where I had to go to New York for a huge audition. My first like big Broadway audition that like came off of showcase. and I was so excited and I spent the day screaming at children about the constitution. And so, and after that I was like, I'm sacrificing my voice to be tour guy <laughs> i can't do this if i'm serious about singing so that ended when i left philly and you can be a tour guide in new york but you have to get a license and i just feel like it would have to pay a lot more in order to be enticing to me but you know if 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 everything paid a good living wage i would choose to be a tour guide probably <laughs> but anyway. and then i moved to new york and this was after my very in hindsight very cushy summer at williamstown doing literal manual labor and not getting paid for it but um at least all my meals and housing were taken care of and it's an extremely expensive program it's literally four thousand dollars um and my school paid for me to go almost in full i think i had to pay like 250 dollars. so my whole summer everything was taken care of and then i had to go back to new york and get some jobs and my friend referred me to this nanny agency where i got paid 15 dollars an hour to temp nanny so i would take the subway or whatever transit i would take it to some random borough i never went to staten island but i went everywhere else and i would like meet a new family that day get to know a kid for one day work for 15 dollars an hour for a 10 or 12 hour shift sometimes if you were lucky you could find a shorter one it was a nightmare. It was crazy. I cannot believe I did that to myself. Like, I look back and I'm like, woo. But guys, I just quit it last summer. <laughs> I came back to New York and I was like, will you guys take me back? And they were like, sure. And then I was like, I don't want to do this. I yeah. worked like two shifts. And then I was like, I can't do it anymore. It's not, it's not enough money. I did end up with the lovely family that I was babysitting for when I first moved back. And I still do for them sometimes. And they have an adorable four-year-old who's so funny. Aww. Also, when I moved to New York, after I was just babysitting, because I just could not get myself out of bed to do it more than like two or three times a week. So I was obviously making no money. I started the job that I still have, doing ticketing. I really like it. Everyone's so nice love my boss love all the coworkers. like it's a really great environment um it is customer service it is a lot of phone calls in addition to that i worked as a bartender uh in the moulin rouge vip room Ooh, uh, very cool job 
saw some celebrities, Ooh. lots of celebrity sightings. Um, Josh Gad and Brooke Shields were the, I think, the most famous ones there. Um, but also lots of like theater celebrity kind of people behind the scenes ish people and at the theater where i work now i have seen liam neeson jesse eisenberg wallace sean aka vizzini from the princess bride that was the one that i geeked <laughs> out about the most and steven sondheim so and lots of theater people as well so that was the most celebrities i had ever seen ever in my life because it was more than zero and i saw them all <laughs> within the span of six months which was crazy like, th- that's the thing about moving to New York is, like, the amount of wealth you're surrounded by, the amount of celebrity you're surrounded by. It throws things into a very stark balance. I also catered for two days. I'm sorry, this is <laughs> such a long list. No. Cater- I catered an event called the George H.W. Bush Points of Light Awards. <laughs> Literally, the Bush family, Bill Clinton, spoke at this event, and the Beach Boys performed. Oh, my gosh. This the was Beach my- Boys are still alive? Yes. Fuck. <laughs> I think they might, like, train new ones. But some of them are pretty old. That's like but Adam Lambert amazing, like in Queen, right? What, I don't what's, know. Remember, didn't isn't Adam Lambert like playing with like Queen? I think that's a thing. I, I, don't I quote believe me. You. Don't quote me. Good Sorry, Adam. Yeah. <laughs> Go Adam Lambert. Honestly. Anyway, yeah. So I lasted two days on the catering. It was twelve hour shift. You don't get a break. You are on your feet the whole time. You get absolutely so starving it was like i felt like survival like i felt like i was in survival mode catering not for me quit immediately after never picked up another shift after the that weekend but like crazy that i saw bill clinton speak randomly and like you're surrounded by this insane wealth at these fancy events while you are like literally the bushes and the clintons while i'm literally making 17 dollars an hour like having to wear the uniform that I had to buy myself. Like, you know what I mean? It was, ugh, it was, it, it radicalized me. I swear to God that, that, and in that moment I became a communist. Um, <laughs> I'm so sorry if the government is hearing this and you're going to like arrest me. I, I worry we're going that direction. <laughs> Knock on wood. Anyway, where did I leave off? Oh yeah. Moulin Rouge VIP room, then Moulin Rouge. Uh, that company moved me to an off-Broadway theater where I did not make any tips and suddenly it was not worth the hour-long subway ride, Oof. hour plus, from Brooklyn to make $15 an hour with no tips for a two-hour shift. So, <laughs> so uh, yes. So then, but then the pandemic happened. Boom. So I didn't even really have to quit that. <laughs> and um, then after the pandemic, I'm babysitting again. Finally quit the nanny agency back at my theater job. And um, I started doing voiceover in the pandemic too which i don't think counts as a day job because it's acting i I wouldn't call it a day job i think it's it's a career i'm available for hire yes (laughs) to everyone who's listening to my voice on this podcast you do have a very nice voice though when i when i listened to your podcast i was like you have a very nice like voice to listen to i didn't really get told that i had a beautiful voice i was just like i could do that (laughs) (laughs) i just like watch a commercial and be like I could do that. And I knew it paid really well for commercials. So I was yeah. like, I got to get in, in on this. And it costs a lot of money to make a demo. And I, in the pandemic, I saved and I had it for the first time ever. Thanks to the government giving us money for one time ever. Crazy that we lived through that. I so I guess that pretty much takes us to now where I've, I'm now working at this company that does seminars in school so it's like hybrid teaching presenting it feels a little acting adjacent a little tour guide adjacent i have not been to schools as much lately because i've been doing some admin stuff for them too 
But yeah, that's a good one. That they, they actually pay like a decent, livable income for a part-time job. I highly recommend if anyone wants a referral, I can refer you. So that is my jobs journey. I am forever thinking about what can I do to like make money in a way that doesn't make me want to die because so many of these jobs have been so awful or they've been fun but they have paid nothing it's like that triangle where you can only pick two it's like you can have a will to live money to survive or a third thing that i can't think of in this moment time 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 to pursue the things you actually want to be doing because i want to be podcasting full-time like i want to be just doing my podcast and getting paid to do my podcast or maybe edit other people's podcasts and like i want to make my living from that and be able to just be at home editing all day actually i want to go back a little bit because I actually really want to know so you have a solo show slash podcast called More Than Tracy Turnblad yes I do how did that begin for you like how did that Uh, like a good question yeah I want to know so the solo show was first um I did it in college and the my first intro to like fat liberation or fat activism or whatever was I was driving home one night while I was home on college break I think it was my sophomore year and I heard Lindy West on This American Life talking about Shrill and talking about her experience and I listened to that whole episode Roxanne Gay was also on it and so I ended up reading her as well and that was like the first time I'd ever heard anybody talk about what it's like to be fat and it's a really great episode it's called Tell Me I'm Fat If you just Google This American Life, Tell Me I'm Fat, you can listen to it. And it stuck with me so much. I remember I went home and I was like trying to prolong the drive so I could listen to more of it. And then I listened to the whole thing like under my covers in my childhood bedroom, like trying not to let my parents hear because it was like somehow embarrassing, even though my parents are like pretty good about this kind of thing. But anyway, I just, even though I was still dieting a lot, I sort of slowly started to get on like fat Twitter and started reading all these like amazing like thinkers like Lindy West, Roxanne Gay. I mentioned um, your fat friend was a huge influence on me, um, Aubrey Gordon, because she has now like come out publicly (laughs) as your fat friend. Absolutely amazing mind. And I just like sort of slowly started to fill my feeds with it and then realized how much diet culture was bumming me out kind of. And I remember the first time I went to the Edinburgh Fringe, Um, And the only time I've been so far. And I'm about to take my solo show back there for context, which Sarah asked about. Um, (laughs) I was doing the keto diet for literally just to feel like I was good at something. I have found in therapy the root of a lot of my dieting adventures. I was like compensating for some other area in which I felt I lacked. Because on, on a regular day, even though it sucks to be in a bigger body, like I don't feel compelled to diet that that much. But when it was like, let me prove to the world that I'm good for something, it was like, oh, well, I can do this really insanely restrictive diet. So, but while I was on it, I started to get into like more fat liberation stuff. And I started to read criticisms of the keto diet as I was doing it. And I had sort of come out as fat my freshman year of college. I I uh, started talking about it one night in my dorm when we were like casting each other in things mm. and like just one too many people told me I should be ex-mom or grandma and I was like literally everyone the only character that I can play right now is Tracy Turnblad like that is it that is all that anyone ever tells me that I can do and that's like kind of when I started calling myself fat but I was still pretty uncomfortable talking about it and then when I decided to do the solo show it was after I went to this audition um, about a year after Edinburgh 
where uh, or maybe maybe like nine months or six months or something. It was like that was the that was the that was August and this was the spring. And I had just started to audition outside of college because it was my junior year and I was like ready to be getting out there going to auditions. I went to this audition for this very small regional theater about an hour outside of Philadelphia on transit. And I showed up there. It was an audition for Do Black Patent Leather Shoes Really Reflect Up, which is this play about a Catholic school. It's a musical. And in the first act, uh, the protagonist is this little girl who's fat. She has a song called Does God Love Little Fat Girls Too, all about the trauma of being a fat child in Catholic school. And then in the second act, she, I guess, like gets beautiful and like is deciding maybe to become a nun. And then it's like the conflict between does she become a nun or like be with this boy who's loved her ever since they were in act one, <laughs> but she didn't realize it. And traditionally, because she supposedly like gets beautiful or he's interested in her in, her in the second act, and she's like had this like, she's not a wallflower anymore. Um, it's always played by an actress in a fat suit. And I said, you know what? The world is ready for a fat person to play this role. I am here to do this. Let's do this. And so I went there, I did my audition and they gave me a side and said to stay. And um, we were gonna read another scene. And the scene was the scene between that lead character, Becky, and like an older nun who was kind of consoling her and um, telling her it was okay when she was crying about having a bad haircut and being unattractive. And it was me at the audition and it was like three other girls who were all like skinny, conventionally pretty. And after I got that one side, they went back in to sing Does God Love Little Fat Girls too? And I was really confused and I asked the monitor like, hey, which character am I reading? And she was like, well, I assume Becky. Then I got so confused because I was literally sitting here, the only fat person at this audition, hearing through the wall, three skinny girls saying, does God love little fat girls too? And then they all come out and the monitor is like, okay, Abby, we're ready for you. You're going to be reading the scene with uh, these three girls. And I was like, oh, sorry, did you want me to read the nun who was like 40 years older than me? And they were like, oh, I'm sorry. Do you need a minute? And I was like, you know what? No, I don't. (laughs) And so I... Uh, had to go in there and had this crazy experience of reading the scene, being the old wise nun who's like, no, it's okay to be fat. While these like conventionally pretty skinny girls are crying to be about being fat and ugly. And I was like, it was just the most upsetting thing I could imagine. And on my way back to the city, I had to wait on the train platform for like an hour and oh. my phone was about to die. No. And in that hour, I had time to think and I was like, I'm finally going to fucking do my one woman show about this, which I had been toying with for a long time. And I um, ran a student organization in college that produced cabarets. So I had been wanting to do one that was specifically plus size oriented but then I was like you know what I just need to fucking do this because I remember feeling like it was an awkward thing to talk about and I didn't want to like ask the few other fat people at my college like will you perform a thing about being fat like so I was like fuck it I'm just gonna do it myself and I did it that fall in the Philadelphia Fringe. It was truly the best day of my life. I just watched the performance of it and I remembered like how incredible it was to have the whole community like out and supporting me and like listening to me and like listening to me talk about my experiences. It was truly the most beautiful moment of my life. Like it was amazing. And then um, I performed it again outside of Philly and then I moved to New York and I wanted to do it here. I just didn't have the means, Mm. literally didn't have the money. As I mentioned, I moved here with $300. 
And then the pandemic happened. And so I was like, well, I guess the solo show's off the table for now. But I had thought of making it into a podcast where I could interview other fat actors literally because I just needed to know what it was like to be a professional actor who wasn't skinny. Because mm. I, I didn't, I felt like every bit of advice that I got from whatever classes and workshops I was doing from school, it was all from people who didn't look like me. And I, I know how different it feels to like, be offered these certain types of roles only and to be pigeonholed in a certain way. And I wanted to talk to somebody who had that experience and was still working. And so then I impulsively posted on Facebook um, while I was working my worst job ever, which I cannot believe I forgot to mention, but it was a call center for OnStar, the uh, car thing where you have like roadside assistance and can like talk to them after you press a button. And I tried to basically con them into buying OnStar. That was my job, (laughs) which they didn't tell me it was sales till I was already there. It was hell. It was the worst job I've ever had. Far and away. I can't believe I forgot to mention it. I trauma blocked it out. (laughs) But, But anyway, during that job um there was like a two-week training period where we were doing almost nothing and during those two weeks day two the um podcast idea occurred to me and i was like immediately obsessed and and i made this facebook post that was like hey like if i made a podcast about this would anyone be interested in talking about it because i had seen more and more like facebook posts going around and people talking about it more but it would always be like there was one article or one post it circulated for a week and then nobody talked about it again and nothing changed so i said we need a consistent place to talk about this would anyone want to come on the podcast and i was astounded by the response that i got And from that, I got my first few guests and started podcasting. And then I started a TikTok just because of the podcast, just for the podcast. And that's been its own whole journey. And now that, you know, I I guess things are coming back. The pandemic is so not over. And I honestly, I am nervous about what happens with live theater returning. I mean, I literally work in on a daily basis. I am fielding calls from people who can't use their tickets because they have COVID. Like, Mm -hmm. It's tricky, but I started to feel like it's now or never. Like, I I literally just feel like we're in a pandemic. There's a crazy war. Everything's crazy. And I'm just going to fucking do my solo show in Edinburgh because I want to. And um, I want to sort of share it internationally. And I want to bring it back. And I'm doing it in New York, too, for two days as kind of a, a little practice run slash fundraiser. When is it? Uh, it's a June 10th. And where 10th. can people buy tickets? Yes, it's June 10th and 11th at Don't Tell Mama. You can find it on the Don't Tell Mama calendar. And yeah, it's, uh, I believe the cover is going to be 25 or if, but I have a student low income option. So if you need to not pay that much, you can pay $10 because I have been unable to afford to see so many shows that I wanted to see. So I really wanted to make that a possibility for people who need it. Yeah, so that's happening. Uh, I'm so excited. I I just can't even put into words how excited I am to do this show again. And I'm so pumped to rewrite it and like revisit it because I know so much more now and I've learned so much more and I feel like I have so much more perspective and just doing the podcast and talking to different people has taught me so much because you know, I'm always coming from my own experience. All my TikToks are just me going on feeling and an instinct and just basically coming solely from myself. So like having had a lot more time to acquaint myself with like different ideas and different perspectives, I feel like it's going to be really, really cool to revisit it and rework it a little bit. I'm so excited. That's the story. That's so exciting. I'm so, I mean, 
when I got on TikTok and I found your account amongst other um, bigger actresses, fat actresses accounts, I have never felt like more seen in my entire life. Like listening to your episodes, like I, you know, I before when we were having technical difficulties, I was telling you about when, you know, that I didn't really realize the effects that like being a bigger woman in theater had on me until like very, yeah. very late. So much so that I'm like in a break from theater right now because I'm just I, I am right now, you know, when you're like in these different stages of like grief or something, I can't get over the anger I totally that I have that. right now with theater you know, posing as being so accepting and everything, but yes. really like, okay, girl, I listen to your episodes or see your TikTok and I'm just like, I feel seen. Like these are the experiences that I had all of my life and I didn't understand what they were until like very recently. And honestly, until I went on TikTok and saw that community of actresses and actors that I was like, they exist. There's other people out there. Like, I also thought they didn't exist. Yeah. <laughs> I thought they didn't exist until I made that Facebook post. And I'm so glad that, that I did. Because, you know, it feels so much more possible now than it ever did before. And I feel like it's given me sort of renewed motivation, which I was completely lacking for like two years. Yeah. And even so, it does feel very disheartening. Like the other day, I had a self-tape that was like, it was a character that was associated with food. But it wasn't really fat phobic necessarily. Like if it could have been played by a person who wasn't fat. But I was like automatically alarm bells went off in my head because I'm like on such high alert from years of that. And I don't want to play a character that people are just going to like laugh at. Like I don't I don't want to be that. You know what I mean? And it's hard because like the work out there, like a lot of it is that. So it's like how much am I willing to do, especially now that I have this platform and people like know me as somebody who talks about this and um you know it's it's tricky it's complicated yeah is there anything about like this part of your career with more than Tracy Turnblad that you're very like clueless or uncertain about is there something about it that makes you feel uneasy um yes so the first thing that pops to mind is like as I'm saying like how do I reconcile this with being an actor Mm. is this going to come back to bite me in the butt what if I say something wrong what if I am too radical or too liberal and so people feel like they can't put me in role in certain roles people feel like I don't want to play Tracy Dernblood but I do um that's what I worry about and then the second thing is just from a clueless perspective the like where do I go from here you know what I mean as far as marketing and I'd say marketing in general is very difficult for me. I mean, it's not difficult for me. I feel like I have a feel for it. It's just like a lot of energy and effort. Oh, gosh. Yeah. So now I have my co-producer, Maya, who runs the, the Instagram, which take, took so much off of my shoulders. And Maya is absolutely amazing. Everybody should follow them. And they are now coming on bonus episodes on my Patreon, which has been so fun because in the bonus episodes, we like get to discuss a specific piece of media. I am, this is something that I am technically clueless about, but still feel qualified to talk about. Like I don't have any degree in film studies or anything like that. Like, but I just, I just go off my feelings and experiences for a lot of these things. And of course, like what I've read and what I've listened to in other podcasts and like what I've learned. And I feel like I've done like this informal, like master's degree in fat studies just from being on the internet for a while. That's so awesome. Okay. 
Wait, so our last question for you, because we've been asking everybody this. Well, not everybody. <laughs> okay. We've asked the person before. Okay, this. I'm being a little bit dramatic. <laughs> Do you, like, it can be something light, something deep. When is a recent time that you felt clueless? Oh, I have so many. <laughs> Not me trying to do my taxes today. Um, <laughs> Us talking about that before. Literally, yeah. Okay, this is... So I had a photo shoot a few days ago to do the photos for my More Than Tracy Turnblad thing for the poster for the solo show. So I needed to pick up like some powder, like setting powder, to put on my face and I like had to run into a CVS and I was like making great time and then I went to check out of the CVS with the powder and some like props hairspray and it would not load on my phone the coupon that I was trying to use that was like 35% off one item and I'm like trying to get it to load I'm like calling an employee over there looking into it and I realize I'm late and I'm late because I'm trying to get 35% off one item I'm trying to save myself like six dollars and I don't and I'm finally at a place where every $6 is not a, like a disaster of epic proportions. And I was just like, this is this is 20s, but I don't have to be doing this anymore. At least not at this exact moment. Knock on wood. Um, so I, I was late to my photo shoot. And then I was late to my interview after the photo shoot <laughs> because there were no Ubers. Yeah. Awesome. Well, wait, pimp yourself out before... Oh, of course. Pimp yourself out. So you can follow me at Abby Rose Morris on Instagram and TikTok. I don't really post on my personal account anymore, but you can follow my podcast at More Than Tracy T on Instagram, TikTok, Twitter, and Facebook if you want. And my solo show is coming to Don't Tell Mama in New York City on June 10th and 11th. You can buy tickets on their website. We are also fundraising for the show. So if you are inclined to contribute, that would be incredibly much appreciated because going to the Edinburgh Fringe is super expensive. I'm really excited. We're making good headway in the fundraising, but any every little bit helps. I also have a Patreon. It's patreon.com slash more than Tracy T if you want some more um chatty more uh a little bit more unfiltered episodes where we're discussing specific pieces of media as opposed to um, my regular podcast which you should listen to which is interviews with other plus size actors mostly um that is available on all podcast places you can listen and it's called more than tracy turnblad and you can also just find every link to everything that i am mentioning on more than tracy turnblad.com well thank you so much yeah absolutely all right everyone well that was our interview with abby rose morris that was a great time party i know party time yeah now we're delirious Uh, didn't we start that way we did start that way i mean i have to be up in uh, leaving my house at 4 a.m that sounds terrible I know. Well, I'm going to sleep on the flight. Hopefully everyone pray that I sleep on the flight. I got new earphones for that specially. So Apple, those AirPod Maxes better come in in, into play. (laughs) (laughs) All right, y'all, we'll stop ranting. Okay, you know where to find us at completely F-C-K-I-N-G clueless on TikTok and completely fucking clueless on Instagram. We love Instagram for not censoring us. And, you know, rate the podcast review on Apple Podcasts, follow along, and don't forget to be clueless. Bye. <laughs> you hate that. I'm never okay. going to stop hating <laughs>